0: Hi, my name is Lisa Keys Matthews, and I am the conference lay leader for the North Alabama Conference. I attend church at First United Methodist in Florence. Today's lesson comes from Luke chapter one. I want to give you a little background for these verses. The angel Gabriel has just told Mary she's going to give birth to a son that will be called the son of the most high. And Gabriel says, even your older cousin Elizabeth, who has been unable to get pregnant, It's going to have a baby. Gabriel ends the conversation by saying nothing is impossible for God. Wow, right? Okay, based on that background, let me read Luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 45 to you from the Common English Bible. Hear now the word of God. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the child leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the holy spirit with a loud voice she blurted out god has blessed you above all women and he has blessed the child you carry why do i have this honor that the mother of my lord should come to me as soon as i heard your greeting the baby in my womb jumped for joy happy is she who believed that the lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love the gospel of Luke. It it just speaks to me. William Barclay says in his daily study Bible series that in addition to Luke being the gospel for Gentiles, the gospel of prayer, and the gospel of praise, Luke is the gospel of women. So many women are brought up in Luke's gospel very different from the other Gospels and an interesting statement for the first century Mediterranean culture of the time. This Gospel of Women concept starts early in Luke with the annunciation to Zechariah about Elizabeth's pregnancy and then the annunciation to Mary about her pregnancy. Both of these regal announcements are from the angel Gabriel. Zechariah, who is a priest, doesn't believe the proclamation or at least is very surprised about it and he is then rendered mute until Elizabeth gives birth to John. But the young, inexperienced teenager Mary, she just believes. She believes what Gabriel says, that nothing is impossible for God. So what does Mary do when she hears her annunciation and the news about Elizabeth? She promptly travels to Elizabeth's house in the Judean Highlands. They're cousins, but remember, as the story goes, there is over a 40-year difference in their ages, but they are friends and they are relatives. Elizabeth is old enough to be Mary's mom, and as I reflect on this passage and daydream a little bit about the scripture, I think it's possible that Mary's mom is dead. And Mary is a teenage girl who just received a visit from an angel. She's astonished, but she believes what the angel Gabriel says. Mary has faith. She asks a question or two of Gabriel, but she believes. And she wants to tell someone, someone who won't judge her, someone who will believe that an angel visited her and someone that will be going through a pregnancy like she will. So I'm going to take a little reader's license with this passage and think about the story in our context. So the passage doesn't say that Mary sent a note to Elizabeth to let her know she was going to visit. She didn't take several days to think about it. She just got up and hurried to Elizabeth's house. She had good news. She wanted to tell someone. Then Elizabeth welcomed her with open arms, as did the baby in her womb. Elizabeth didn't say, oh, my house is a mess, or I haven't cleaned the guest room since the last time family visited. She didn't say, Zechariah is mute, and who knows what's going on with him. Elizabeth just welcomed her into her house, into her mess, into her craziness, into her life, into her pregnancy. But into her praise of God at that moment. They were going to wait together through this three months of pregnancy. Isn't life full of waiting? Waiting to graduate? Waiting to get the next job? Waiting for something better to come along? Waiting for something to finish so we can start something else? Waiting to get married? Waiting for retirement? Waiting for the paint to dry? Waiting for the next opportunity? Waiting, 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 always waiting for what's next. I believe we need to practice living in the moment, not to worry about what's next, just waiting well. And we all need someone to wait with, someone to help us wait well, and to share the process and frustrations of daily life while we are waiting. Waiting is a time of growth. Waiting is liminal, living on the threshold of what's next. We all need someone. Someone in addition to Jesus to wait with. Elizabeth is a very good friend to Mary, but she's also a trusted confidant and someone who Mary can wait with. But I think that Elizabeth is also a mentor to Mary. Is that too much of a leap from someone to wait with to being a mentor? I don't think so. They're going to wait together to talk about what they're both going through, to learn together, to walk a path together. And for Elizabeth to help Mary grow. Think about this Elizabeth comes from a priestly family. Her father and ancestors were priests. Her mute husband is a priest. They've been praying for a child for so long, and now she's pregnant. Think about how Elizabeth's life would have impacted her and what she could pass along to Mary. Things like Elizabeth's devotion to God, to seeing God everywhere and knowing his power, seeing that all things are possible with God. Elizabeth said something to the effect of happy is she who believed the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. There's a lot of faith and probably some doubt in that statement. Elizabeth is patient and devoted to God. Mary needs to see this and to know all the possibilities of a life devoted to God, both the good and the difficult. So, yes, Elizabeth is a mentor to Mary. I've noticed the fact and lamented it a little bit. That in today's world, there is little space for mentor relationships. We all seem too busy. A mentor is someone that has walked a particular path and spends time helping someone else grow and to develop along a similar path. A mentor walks alongside someone and helps them get through their current situation and helps them move from point A to point B in their life, in their jobs, in their spiritual development, and in their families. In my life, in the business world, in the education world, and in my church life, mentors have been a very important part of my life and an important part of my growth. There are mentors who I can point to and say they have made a huge difference in my life. They have helped me get to where I am today. They've helped me through trying times at the office, difficult times with small children, and confusing times in my growth as a disciple of Jesus. These people are a part of who I am today. I feel drawn to return the favor and pay it forward, so to speak. I make it a point to mentor students at the University of North Alabama, where I'm a professor. I make it a point to be available to walk alongside folks I know from church and in my community. I also make it a point to visit and listen to my mentors from the past and present. The point is there will always be someone who can speak into our current situation to offer an outsider perspective, and to offer thoughts based on the view from the balcony, so to speak. Mentoring is an opportunity to, maybe in a modern-day way, make disciples. There are a lot of people who are looking to develop a relationship with someone that can help them progress through life. Students look for that in professors and teachers, in school, in church, and at the university. Christians look for relationships and a sense of community with other Christians. And those outside the, quote, walls of the church often look inside the walls for a community and for a development-oriented and growth-oriented relationships. These are discipling opportunities. We all need mentors in our lives. We all need an Elizabeth, someone we can talk with, tell our crazy experiences to, someone that can relate to our current situation and someone that we trust to help us along our life's journey. Now, this is an equal opportunity situation. Men and women, boys and girls, children and adults, older and younger, we all need mentors in our lives. Equally, or even more importantly, is this. We all need to be a mentor for others. Friends, mentoring is a form of discipleship. We are called to be disciples and to develop disciples. Remember this, mentoring and discipling, it's a two-way street, a reciprocal relationship. Not only will the person we mentor and disciple grow, but so will we. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the mentors in our lives. Thank you for those we mentor and those that mentor us. Lord, we love you and we want to share your love with others. Help us to take the opportunities you present us, opportunities to mentor and disciple others. Lord Jesus, help us to recognize when you put someone in our path that needs our presence in their lives. Help us to take the opportunities you present us and to run with it, not run from it. Help us to be brave. Help us to do your bidding. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for Advent. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter and advocate in our lives. We praise your name. In your most gracious and holy name, I pray. Amen.